Move over, Pluto. There's a new punk planet in the solar system. And we've all heard about people going missing. But what about people just appearing? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, my name is Jason Carpenter. Thanks for uh, coming back to Dead Rabbit Radio, the fastest growing podcast in Hood River County. Last time we were the fastest growing podcast in the town of Hood, city of Hood River. Now we're the fastest growing podcast in the county. We're growing exponentially. I don't really know what that word means, but it means like. Anyway, anyways, <laughs> anyways. So thanks for coming back to the show. We got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Venus is back on the podcast. Venus made a previous appearance when I said that up until the age of 14 or 15, I thought Venus was covered in lush jungles and prehistoric creatures and couldn't figure out why everyone was so hyped up to go to Mars. I'm like, why don't we just go to Venus? We know there's trees there. We know there's... And no one ever corrected me. That was, that was an earlier episode, but that and that was also an earlier episode of my childhood. Uh, but they are back in the news, and then we're going to talk a little bit about appearing people. I've always thought that was interesting. But first off, I want to talk about... Yesterday we talked about daydreams. Today I want to talk about daydreams, bigger brother, dreams. You know, as much as I find daydreaming fascinating, and I've realized, listening back to the podcast, I say the word fascinating all the time. I have to come up with a better word, but... That was me taking off my glasses. Okay, so as much as I like the idea of daydreams, like you can instantly go into your head and picture a perfect world down to the smallest detail and you can direct the action, you can do whatever. You know, yesterday I talked about daydreaming about winning the talent show. Honestly, the most common daydream is the diehard daydream, which is funny because do those daydreams really exist before that movie? You're like, oh, I'm trapped in this single location. I'm trapped at, at Sunrise Mall. I'm trapped at a school. I'm trapped, you know, downtown, and it's been cordoned off, and it's me against terrorists. That's a very common daydream. Um, I thought it was funny once I a girl was telling me that she one day she was sitting at a coffee shop, and she daydreamed. Someone was, someone was talking loudly on their phone or something like that, and she had daydreamed that she put his head through the, the gated like the the spokes of a gate, a metal gate, like she kicked the crap out of him and then slammed him in between that. And it's funny because if I remember the story correctly, no one was actually talking on their phone. She was just sitting there and she was daydreaming. If someone was talking on their phone very loudly, I would beat them up and throw them through a gate. And I think that was the first time I'd ever heard a girl talk like that. But I definitely have had daydreams like that. I think that's kind of kind of t- that kind of titters the line between daydream and fantasy. But yeah, to sit there and be like, what would I do if the bank got robbed right now? And you daydream out the whole scenario. And of course, obviously, it's completely ridiculous. I was like, oh yeah, and then like I would you know stab the terrorist in the neck and then take his gun and I'd lead people through the building. And at the time, I mean, I was three hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> Don't think I could run up a flight of stairs, let alone do a roll and then pop up into a firing position and fire an AK-47, which I've only fired a few times in my life as is. 
So, yeah, but the daydream, obviously, I'm like, yes, I will jump up and climb up to the top of the elevator, and I couldn't do that in at, at my healthiest. I couldn't do that at my healthiest. So, but in the daydream world, you can do whatever you want. My The interesting thing, though, is going back to dreams, is the idea that... And I don't know if it's just me. Again, I think I think anything that we think is just us. Millions of other people do it. I've learned that. But when I dream, I don't. I'm in it, but it's not the. It's not me physically. It's how I see myself. I think that's very fairly typical. Going back to the being overweight thing, sometimes I would have dream. Very rarely would I have dreams where I was my actual weight. Like I said, I used to be 350. I'm down to 275 now. When I was 350, I wouldn't have my dreams. I would be in the body of someone who was like 240, 220, you know, like thinner, considerably thinner. And every so often I'd have a dream where I was fat in that dream. And it was because that dream had to do with people like making fun of me for being fat or me having some health issue from being fat. But any dreamer is like running around riding dinosaurs, punching, you know, Denzel Washington in the mouth, whatever. That um that I, I was skinny. You know, it's interesting too, the Denzel Washington. I have this I have this theory. It's called the Denzel Washington. That just popped in my head. The theory didn't. The theory didn't, but it's related to dreams too. So I used to hang out with this girl all the time named Monique back in Sacramento. She's a really good friend of mine. We worked at Best Buy together. And she was black. She was a black girl. And I'm white, if you haven't figured that already. And so we're sitting there one day. And I remember we were out eating dinner or something like that. And I said, I looked at her and I go, I, in my dreams, I never dream about black people. And she starts to laugh. And then she kind of freezes and she goes, I never dream about white people. And what I mean by that, that yes, I I remember specifically back then that I had had dreams where I had interacted with famous black people like Denzel Washington or Will Smith. You would, you know, people that you had seen on television, you would, you would, they would be in the dream. But as far as like if in a dream I went to a coffee shop or I'm walking down the street, everyone was white. And in Monique's dream... Everyone was black, unless she was having a dream and Tom Cruise was in the dream or Katie Holmes or whatever. And what's interesting about that is this was, we lived in, both lived in Sacramento, California, which was a very diverse city. You interacted with people of all different ethnic groups constantly, constantly. The workplace is full of different ethnic groups. Everyone, I mean, just, there were no, like, white areas and black areas and stuff like that. Everyone was constantly intermingling. So what was, and and of course we were friends and we interacted with each other. What is the mechanism that makes it so the background characters in the dreams were all of the same ethnic group that we were from? If it was a specialized person in that dream, if it was a famous person in that dream, that person was their, their race that they are. But if I got on a bus in my dream, it's full of white people. As I've gotten older, maybe that there's been a couple instances where that hasn't been the case. And I remember waking up and going, oh, that was weird. But for the most part, 
everyone in my dreams, I, I'd say 99.9% of the time, unless it's a famous person, everyone in my dreams is the same race as I am. And that was the same thing for Monique. And I've talked to other people in the interim and they've said, oh yeah, no, that like at first, your first thing is you laugh and then you kind of get uncomfortable. But then when you think about it and go, you're right. I don't really have dreams about people of other ethnicities. It's, it's really weird. And again, I'm talking about like the background characters that make up the world. Where was I going? Oh, oh, this was my point. The Den, the not the Denzel thing. Denzel thing is just because I he was I dreamt about him or something like that. I I didn't punch him in the mouth. Anyways, I'm getting off the point. Uh, people, this was the kind of the, what I wanted to get to, and it's taken me like eight minutes to do this. When, so when I've dreamt and I'm overweight in real life, but then I'm skinny in my dreams or I'm more fit in my dreams. Here's my question: Do people who wear glasses? I I very rarely wear glasses, but people who have to wake up and put their glasses on and wear them all day long. When they dream, are they wearing are they wearing glasses? In their dreams, do they not have glasses on and their vision is perfect? Or do they wear glasses in their dreams because they're so used to wearing glasses simply to see? My weight has no impact on how I take in the world take in the world at all. But vision is super important. Would a because I know blind people dream in colors or something. I mean, that's again not the point again. Do people who wear glasses all the time dream? Do, are they wearing glasses in their dreams? I think if I was like I don't know. Like if I had, if I dreamt that my vision was perfect and then I woke up and I'm like everything's blurry they would kind of be disheartening all the time and then you got to put your glasses on I'm curious about that or is the same or is it the same thing do they only think of dreams do they only wear glasses uh in dreams that require glasses I don't know that took way too long for me to get to the point but you know sometimes it's the journey and not the destination is that the saying I don't know so Let's talk about the biggest punk of the solar system now, and it's Venus. And this is why. So Pluto got... The whole thing about Pluto not being a planet is the dumbest thing ever. If you look at the stories about it, it was like... There was a scientific invention, and a bunch of scientists went to lunch, and the nerds who stayed after because they they didn't want to go with the jock scientists, they held a vote, and they said Pluto's not a planet anymore. Any astronomer worth their salt thinks that's the stupidest thing, but, but the pop culture gets hold of it, and they go, Pluto's not a planet, Pluto's not a planet. It is a planet. But anyways, even if it wasn't a planet, Venus is still a total little punk right now. So I found this out. So Venus uh, has a weird rotation. The planet itself, the spin, spinning around. And scientists are always like, why does the, like, the length of a day on Venus, they can't really agree on because it varies. They couldn't figure it out. And here's why. So there's a bunch of big old mountains on Venus, mountains and volcanoes and stuff. That's crazy to think like that planet is belching up fire. But anyways, it's like, uh, first off, a single revolution takes 243 Earth days, which that is lame. Like it should, that's way too long to spin around. That's, then you get your act together, Venus. But anyways, so the planet, the reason why it spins weird, it sometimes it'll spin faster, sometimes it'll spin slower because there's these giant mountains and the wind hits the mountains and it like pushes the the planet in one direction and then sometimes the wind comes from the other direction and pushes it in the other direction. How big of a, how big of a lame, I'm just going to say it, how big of a planet do you have to be to have the wind move you? 
to have the wind actually affect your rotation. That's ridiculous. I, if I was a planet, wind barely doesn't even move me. Like, if I'm walking down the street and, like, a 60-mile-an-hour wind hits me, I'm like, uh, okay, maybe not 60, but 50, 30, whatever. I'm walking down the street and I'm like, uh, uh, but I'm not, like, flying backwards. We're talking about a planet that is so big and the wind moves it. That's ridiculous. Even if it's not, it's not necessarily, like, moving it across the universe, but it's enough force to slow you down. That is lame. If we want to talk about planetoids and things that aren't planets, I think Venus qualifies for that. Unless there's dinosaurs and jungles on it. And then I will take back everything bad I said about it in the past five minutes. I do have a question, though. I've thought about this before. Could you have... And this is, there's some things you just can't Google. Because I, I typed this into Google before and it, nothing... I couldn't get anything. Google is actually... It's kind of lame. But I typed in... Could you have a mountain so big it goes into space? And I didn't, couldn't find anything. Here's my question. Could there be planets where there's a mountain so big? Because, you know, like Mount St. Everest. Is that Mount St. Everest or just Mount Everest? It's so big that you climb up it and you start to need oxygen tanks because the atmosphere gets thin. Can you have a mountain that's so big it actually pierces the atmosphere so you could walk up the mountain and float into space? And just float away. Is that possible? Or does the height of the mountain determine the height of the atmosphere? Like, will the atmosphere always, like, be bigger than the mountain? Because it's, like, circling the globe and the mountain's part of the globe. Could you imagine, though, if there was a mountain that was so tall you could literally walk up it and float it into space? Like, we wouldn't need... Our space program would be so advanced. We could literally have people up there just, like, throwing stuff. Like, climbing close to the top. And then they're, like, chained onto the planet so they don't fly away. And they could just be, like, have a fire brigade chain. Where, like, one guy at the bottom's like, throwing up a box. And then you keep throwing up the box. And then you throw it up there. Or, I guess, what would be easier is just a truck. You could just drive a truck up there. That's probably easier than fire brigading stuff. But, imagine. That'd be awesome. If we had a mountain that tall, you could just, like, jump... That becomes like people are like, Mom, I'm running, Mom, Dad, I hate you. I'm running away from home. And you like run up the mountain and just jump into space. That'd be cool. I don't know if it's possible, though, because Google has let me down. What was the other story that I... There was actually a lot of stories I wanted to talk about today. But I've realized that I can't really control what I rant about in the beginning. And then I go off on a side tangent. So I try to keep it down to about two stories. What was the second one? Uh... Was it aliens? Oh, no, 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 no. I have an alien story. We'll save that for tomorrow. This one's really cool. This one's about people who appear. And there's two parts to this story. The first one is the story. So in 1954, in a Tokyo airport, in an airport in Tokyo, the Tokyo airport, there was a passenger who gets off the plane, 1954, he gets off the plane, and they show in their passports because it's an international flight. And the passport for, is for a country called Taurid. T-A-U-R-E-D. And the traveler looked European. He definitely wasn't Japanese. And the Japanese official was like, this passport is fake. There's no country called Taurid. And the passenger was like, no, there is. Yeah, I'm from there. And the him and the immigrations official, you know, a little, little polite at first, but they're just going back and forth. 
and they can't he he they he can't they can't convince each other. The man's trying to convince him that Torred he's from a place called Torred. The immigration's official is like, no, that's impossible. Now, what was weird is they look at the passport; it had been stamped before, so like he had traveled to different countries, and they said, you know, why don't you show us on a map where your country is? They take him aside, and now they're like, because they think, you know, is this guy some sort of like criminal or something like that they take him aside and they pull out a map and they go where is torrid and he looks on the map and it's not on the map and at this point the man starts to get frustrated and he goes it's it's between spain and france there's a country here called torrid and it's been there for like a thousand years it's an old old country now this guy he spoke multiple languages and he could speak japanese well he was fluent in that and he could fluently speak french as well and he's like that's where that is and, um, yeah, he, they couldn't figure it out. So at this point, the Japanese official said, we need to take, you know, like, this is going to take a little more time than we think. So we're going to put you up in a hotel and we'll convene again tomorrow. And so they put him in a hotel. And again, they don't, didn't know what this guy's motives were. So they posted two guards outside of his hotel and they said, you know, have a good night's sleep. We'll meet you tomorrow. And there was like no, there was like a, a ledge, a window with no ledge. And it was high up. And so the next morning they go in there and he's gone. The guy's completely gone. There's no proof that he was ever there. So I heard about that story, the man from Torred, years ago, maybe like 20 years ago, and it's been one of my favorite stories. The idea of people appearing into our world or appearing into our reality from somewhere else. I think we always hear about people disappearing and it's always like, oh my God, what happened? It's totally scary. And I'm not talking about like people getting kidnapped. That's just tragic. Talking about like weird disappearances, like disappearances that can be chalked up to some sort of paranormal event, which are still tragic. But you know what I mean? Like a dad abducting his daughter. That's not necessarily paranormal. Just just terrifying. So but this story always interests me because it's the other side of that story. People just appearing in our to our reality. Imagine in this man's reality, he gets on a plane and then he God, goes to sleep in his reality and wakes up in ours and when he's on the plane he doesn't notice anything's different the two realities are so closely linked the plane lands in japan which is where he wanted to go which is where he planned to go and he got off the plane like he ha- always has and nothing seems out of ordinary the two realities are so close to each other maybe he spots an ad for a product he's never heard of but you know nothing's really clicking for him and so he goes and he shows his passport, and then that's when people go, that country doesn't exist. You know, that's, you're not, that doesn't exist. And then I imagine when he's in the hotel room, kind of the same thing happens. He goes back to the reality where he was supposed to be, and is in a hotel room in that Japan, and comes out, and they're like, oh, hey, you know, you're, yeah, yeah, you are from Torrid. We know Torrid. We know where that's at. Interesting. Now, there's two, like I said, there's two parts of that story. So I had heard that story, and I'm going to post this link up because it's fascinating. The, the great thing about conspiracy theories and paranormal stuff, and I talked about this a little bit when I was talking about that rapper who got shot, how conspiracies grow, how you take a single thread of information and, and have it grow. I was doing some research on the man from Torred today because I wanted to talk about it. This whole story 
that I just told you comes from a single line that we know of um, from a book called The Directory of Possibilities. It was edited by Colin Wilson. Colin Wilson is one of my favorite authors of all time. He's a nonfiction author, and he has put together several collections of... He wrote a book called The History of Crime, and it is the best, best nonfiction true crime book you will ever read. It is literally the history of crime. We learn about the very first time fingerprints were used. They go all the way back to the oldest types of crime, and most of it's centered in um, England, like in Europe and the Americas. But it's amazing. The book ha it has to be like 600 pages. Please, 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 if you're interested in true crime, pick up the history of uh, history of crime, I believe it is. But you look at Colin Wilson. All of his stuff is good. However, he edited, a, he edited a book back in 1981, 27 years after the 1954 event. And, and in a part of this book, there, this line, it had a section on appearing people. It said this line. And in 1954, a passport check in Japan is alleged to have produced the man with papers issued by the nation of Torred. That was it. That was the only line in that book playing into that. And then back in 1999, again, this is what I find fascinating. This is kind, of, and none of this has been cited. These are kind of the evolution of these stories. In 1999, there was another book called Strange but True: The Mysteries, Mysterious and Bizarre People. Let me read this real quick. This is an excerpt from that book that was 18 years later. There have been many reports of visitors from other planets dropping in on Earth. In 1954, the Japanese authorities detained a man trying to enter the country with a passport that revealed he was from an unheard country named Torred. A thorough, thorough check was made by custom officials to see if there was any such place, any such a place anywhere on Earth, but they drew a blank. The stranger refused to throw light on the whereabouts of the mysterious nations of Torred and quickly left Japan. So the story that I told you originally was a story that I had always heard. And this is that evolution of that story. Now, I'm not saying it didn't happen. Because this is one of those mysteries that I did, I hope happened. I hope it happened. But from that single line in that Colin Wilson edited book, and then 18 years later, a little bit more, and you're starting to see how that story grows. You're starting to see how that paranormal story grows. And I, I think that is another level of fascinating information on the story. The initial story I find very fascinating and intrigues my mind, but the fact that we can watch this story grow, we can kind of go back and read about this. And kudos to the person who put this article together. Um, I Like I said, I'll post the link, but it's a great... And this guy sources it, and every, or woman, I don't know. But yeah, so check out this link. And I'm going to spend some more time on this website and look around. But, you know, I think one thing about the man of Torred is cool is that what if that's what happens to people who go missing in the woods? They go missing in the woods in our reality, but then they just go to another reality where everything's normal. Or it would be creepy if they go to a reality where something is totally abnormal and they're stuck there too. I always wonder what happens to people who just go missing in the woods. I think everybody does, but yeah, it's like, is it like a wolf eating them or is it something creepier? I don't know. I don't like the woods. We've been over that a hundred times. I would much rather get zapped away on an airplane and end up in another country. Another, uh, I guess everyone gets zapped up in an airplane and goes to another country, but you know what I mean? Like go to another reality, then be shifted into another reality in the, in the forest. 
It's four extra creepy anyways. So that's going to be our episode for tonight. I hope you had fun. Uh, research that man from Torrid story. I, I, again, I think that's a fascinating thing. There's other stories out there about people appearing. Which again, it's, it's, it's something you don't hear of very often. You hear the disappearing. You hear the missing 411s. But appearing people, I think, isn't just another spin on that. And that's what I like to talk about. I like to talk about stuff we really haven't heard of before. So... We're going to go ahead and call it a night. I am Jason Carpenter. This, oh, oh, so yes. Uh, let's go over this again. Uh, deadrabbit.com is the website. You can check out all the show notes there. The email address is deadrabbitradio at gmail.com. We have the YouTube channel. You can hit us up at uh, uh, deadrabbitradio. Check that out. And Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. That is my Twitter handle. We're going to tomorrow. We are going to do ghosts. I've noticed this podcast has been kind of ghost light. I want to do a lot of, I would not a lot, but I want to do more ghost stuff. I was like, oh, we're talking about science and stuff like that. Boners. I think we talked about that in a previous episode, but I want to talk about some ghosts. So tomorrow I'm going to give you some ghost news. I found some good ghost stories. We're going to go through that. So hopefully you tune in for that tomorrow. I am Jason Carpenter. This is dead rabbit radio and um, I'm just going to come up with a sign off right now. Let's see. Um, I am Jason Carpenter. This is Dead Rabbit Radio, and you have just entered the rabbit hole. <laughs> um, I'm Jason Carpenter. This is Dead Rabbit Radio. And, um, dude, is there any rabbit based puns? Don't get bit by a dog with rabies, or you'll get rabbit. I, I could work with that. I might be able to... I could work with that. I don't know. There's something there. Have a great day, guys. I will see you back tomorrow. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.